the Sum It Up Podcast. This is where we talk about movies, shows, games, and whatever we want. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. I am John, and I am joined, as always, by with Chris here. Uh, we are your oh, host for the day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not really changing that part up. Um, but Chris, I do want to just kind of mix things up a little bit format-wise. And I'm just, you know what? We're just going to, we're going to talk today, and you're going to see how things go. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about some Star Sounds Wars. Good. Sounds good. Good. Some, good. 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 Mm, some Snyder cut. We're gonna we're just gonna see how it goes here. So what what I want to talk about first and get, pick, kind of pick your brain about mm-hmm. um, just so we finally have confirmation that the Snyder cut is happening. Ah yes, such a such a great story out there for all the people who think that uh, <laughs> that oh man I already forgot his name. That's how much I hate him, Snyder. Zack Snyder? Zack Snyder. The, all the people who think that Zack Snyder's cut, uh, or whatever he's going to do, that it's just going to be good. That it's going to be, or it's going to be better. The, I, I, it's just, I, I don't want it anymore. I'm interested. Let's let's talk about it. <laughs> What's crazy to me is not only are they, are they pushing this for HBO Max, which releases in uh, later this year, I think at the end of May or early June, um, but they also said they're going to put 20 to $30 million into this thing. And they're even talking about calling back actors for reshoots. No. I'm serious, man. This this blows my mind. Like, this started as just, like, a director who had to leave for an inexplainable, uh, just horrific tragedy. Um, and the project was obviously taken over by Joss Whedon. And it did not turn out the way that the studio or I think the fans wanted it to. And for them to go back years later like this and like fully fund this thing, knowing that it's not going to hardly make any money. I, I like, how, how do you think this whole thing came about or, or why do you think this is such a huge deal all of a sudden? I mean, it, it could come down to the executives uh, who might not be with the company anymore, who oppose Snyder from the beginning. Cause we got to be honest, whether you are a huge fan of Zack Snyder or not, what happened with Joss Whedon was probably, it, it's most like a, a view of the executives. They're like, oh my gosh, we saw Snyder's version. He's gone. 70% of the of the film was, was done. 70, 70% of the film is done. He has to leave. And the executive sees this as their opportunity to pounce, throw Joss Whedon in there, make the changes that they want. You know, and the movie turns out to be really bad, like really, really, really bad, like super bad. And Zack Snyder, I don't like his work that he's done with the DC universe. At the same time, I can acknowledge that this product is probably worse uh, than maybe the final product. But at the end of the day, I'm still not going to like it. But so what's crazy to me, too, is that he's he's come out and tweeted that what we actually saw is probably only or probably only consists of about 10 percent of what he did. So he he's saying that basically this entire movie that came out was Joss Whedon and his vision for it or his production behind it barely had anything to do with it. But that doesn't make it seem like it's going to be better. The story, the storylines, it's. The storylines that I saw in Batman versus Superman, I know people defend that movie. Uh, I just can't get behind 
the cohesiveness of it because Zack Snyder wanted to set up a he wanted to set up a cool universe, but executives were getting in the way at the from the beginning. There should have been a shared vision that everyone was behind, and I oh, think yeah. Zack Snyder's vision for the DCEU is special, and that I know there are people who love what he does, but I think as a majority, it's just not it's not geared towards the casual fans it's not geared towards the casuals and for in some ways it's not geared towards the hardcore you know but i'm i'm not so certain about that i just know for casual people what he's showing makes no sense and, and that's the difference between him as marvel is that i can go to a marvel movie know nothing i know i knew nothing about iron man i knew nothing about ant-man i know nothing about the other man's thor you know captain marvel yeah yeah, but everyone knows and Bran recognizes Superman, Batman, and it just didn't feel like, I mean, Batman felt like Batman, but Superman was was changed, and I, his vision just doesn't doesn't seem to be for the casual audience at all. Well, no, and I, I think that they were kind of playing off of, um, like, obviously the Chris Nolan trilogy had, had come out recently. There had been so many renditions of Superman and all these different mediums. Like they, they were playing off of no or expecting the audience to already know the setup behind all of their characters, but then it felt like Zack Snyder just um, kind of undercut the expectation for for a lot of this stuff. It made Superman dark, started Batman at the end of his career, um, which there's there's a very natural lead to that, but you don't ever see it, and it's that whole mantra uh, show don't tell that i feel like they're really Mm -hmm. missed out on um and then for him to go through everything he did with the project and have a vision for a trilogy but then have it be completely cut short and just be a one movie series basically for this whole one movie franchise i mean um it really felt like it kind of really highlighted the shortcomings for the project and for the studio's vision as a whole but what i'm what I'm wondering is if they're putting all of this money and time into um, standing behind him and really encouraging the Snyder Cut by obviously by publishing it on HBO Max. Do you think that this is them saying um, very, very early on that they're going to reintroduce Zack Snyder and potentially even try their best to um, like reignite his vision for the franchise? I mean, no, I don't think so at all, because the DC movies as standalones or in this loosely connected universe are doing better than the Snyder vision and not by not by production of money wise, but profit wise, the profit margins are better Uh, that they're not connected. They don't do the same thing that Marvel does. And I'm kind of fascinated because we've never seen anything like this uh in film shoot we don't even see this in television that often ever you know there's no like you've seen like deleted uh deleted episodes come out but that deleted episodes on extra contents of dvds that's one thing but to have a vision for something that is kind of axed and and the director coming back and be like we're gonna make it now but it's not in the it's not in the spirit of what was originally there. It just this is completely new territory, I think, 
for for the DC for this movie. We could combine this down into one movie because I think that DC suffered from the Lucas 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 film kind of took a book out of DC and was like, "Hey, we don't have a main creator and they're screwed up." Zack Snyder was supposed to be that, but when they made Suicide Squad, executives were like, "Hey, we're going to make this fun and punky. You know, we're not really going to follow up with the timeline that Snyder wants to do." And then that got all screwed up. A lot of things fell apart, which I believe is similar to Lucasfilm. But, you know, I just I'm more fascinated to watch uh the reaction like i don't john i don't i don't know how i pitch this to his studio and they think i'm in the right mind like it almost feels like Zack snyder drugged these executives i don't know how this happens well i almost think that it's mainly because of coronavirus that this is happening um just so think about it like if a studio has no real way to um to uh to create new content and uh, as far as like non non animation projects go, but they have something that's sitting on the shelf that's basically there, but just needs to be edited and kind of go through post production to a degree at least, and then um, has the the drive from the fans to get to get put out. So there's the there's the demand, there's the supply, and I think by the end of of this pandemic they'll be able to get the actors back together to maybe do some reshoots that they had talked about with this budget um so in a year's time we could see a fully fledged movie uh published on the streaming service and they've talked about maybe doing like a extra long like four hour direct director's cut potentially or splitting it up and and doing it kind of like a series um I mean, honestly, I think this is the perfect time for them to do this just because this is one of the things that they they can work on that's already mostly there, at least. Um, so, and, well, people have talked about that, that, you know, this is the perfect time because everyone's not working. But I would counter that, John, and say that all these all the schedules for movies up and coming, all the filming and all you to get those actors back is going to be near impossible because all their other projects, while they may be up in the air, they're going to be fighting for those projects to continue. They want to get paid, and they want to get paid big bucks. Henry Cavill's got his series for um, uh, The Witcher, yeah. and and you've got uh, Gal Gadot who's doing, uh, 19, or doing the Wonder Woman. She's probably got to do press tours and stuff like that to for it to go back up again. I don't know the situation with that. You've got to talk about Ben Affleck who left the the property sour. You know, are you going to replace him with somebody else? Like I, I would say that the scheduling nightmare requires the talent to be patient, but the talent also is going to be having to find. While they might be having to find work, I think that the reception of this movie and even though they tweeted out like release the snyder cup blah blah blah, blah. yeah because you don't think you're actually gonna have to go back to work you think oh you know they'll fill in some scenes they'll add the scenes that we fill that we made we did all this stuff together i'm sure they just gotta add animation like i don't think these actors intend to actually come back do do you think that's gonna happen i think it'll just kind of depend on what's left on the cutting room floor when they get done with what they have and if they need some small dialogue scenes i don't think it'll be any major set pieces by any means but i think if they need to re um 
maybe refilm some dialogue or some small intimate moments with characters that they can maybe do one-on-one or they don't have to have large crowds of them together i think that's definitely more likely than having an entire major action scene that they have to do the cgi for because that's not in the budget for 20 to 30 million um but the other thing that may have been a factor in this like do you think that what the fans did with sonic has any um any impact on this because with that you have a case where they they saw something horrible and they they drove the studio to correct it which then they came out in droves and supported the film and it was great and critically at least and and fan wise it seems like it's been a, a great success um but do you think that that kind of gave the Snyder cut some extra momentum to say, well, look, it worked here, so why can't it work with us? I think that's true if the only person who's pitching that is Zack Snyder. Because no exec... I, he, because I find that that point you just made is huge. Because, yeah, if I were Zack Snyder, I would pitch it like, look, the fans were upset... They went back to the drawing board, fixed it, did what they wanted, and look, it came out great. Which, for a kid's movie, Sonic did well. And even adults who saw it were like, you know what? It was okay. It was good. You know, we lasted through it. That's fine. So, it's a success story. But, there wasn't... Like, even though Sonic as a video game has failed in recent years and not captured that Sonic fan base, because I watch a ton of video game podcasts and they were talking about this... Uh, Sonic fans who through and through like the 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 speed like courses through their veins you know gotta go fast and the difference is is that Zack Snyder is kind of a returning failure you know where the failures of the video games you know they're not going to get the same project director on Sonic Mania and get them to do the movie that you know these are like two different mediums two different directors two different i would say uh ideas for what they want sonic to be i don't think bringing Zack snyder back to do this snyder cut is 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 going to restore faith but you know what i got my popcorn ready i'm ready for this trash fire baby bring it on <laughs> i don't know how they're gonna do it john i, I i'm i'm so i'm so amazed because if they do it, if this is successful, John, imagine if this is successful, what happens to Star Wars? So, so you basically think that the that the fans are just romanticizing what Zack Snyder did for the DC universe. I I think I think Snyder I think Snyder had a vision. You know, and I don't. There are some his movies like his other movies like 300, even though it's not historically accurate, it is so much fun to watch. You cannot deny that the action set pieces, the art style, it's new, it's different. It's a romantic it's a romanticized tale of the battle of of uh, of Thermopylae. That is so cool. You know, no one's ever thought about that. And it comes from a graphic mo- novel, obviously, but to see it on the big screen, it's it's a completely different medium. It's a different experience. So, I mean, if somehow the whole time, which I could believe this, that it wasn't necessarily Zack Snyder's fault and it was the studio's fault fighting him at every moment, I could 
I could give Zack Snyder an inch and be like, you know what? You ain't that bad. But I have yet from 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 just watching this trash fire happen and the execs are wrong in what they made with Justice League hosh posh with Joss Whedon because they're the ones who also made Suicide Squad, uh, not Zack Snyder. I just I, I, I'm along for the ride at this point, John. I'm ready. I'm ready to see this whirlpool of plastic in the ocean just erupt. So what do you think the difference is between the fans reacting to the Snyder Cut finally being released and what happened with Colin Trevorrow's episode nine script? Well, we know what the script was. We don't know what Zack Snyder's cut is. We just know I, that it exists because he's I been mean, promoting it. But people people have been having or they've had interviews with him and they've they've talked about they've seen the storyboards for what he wanted to do. So they know the main story beats and even some of the smaller ones for his idea for a trilogy and how the first one was going to end with Darkseid looking down the portal and seeing the Justice League and the second one was supposed to end kind of like Infinity War did. Um, which with... is a pretty cool story, which is a pretty good way to set that up. I'm not I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to disagree. That's pretty that's pretty nice. Yeah, but even even if Trevorrow just had like what well, he just released his script for it or someone released his script, but there's no real proof that that would have been the film that we had gotten 100 percent because there's obviously studio changes and things happen differently on the day of filming. The script isn't always the exact same. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so even if even if we know what his script was, do you think that at some point they're going to push for the Trevorrow cut of, of episode nine? Oh gosh. Oh, that going into the medium of Star Wars. You know, we got the um there's that guy who made the clay claymation video yeah. of the Trevorrow cut which, you know, obviously it was it was also kind of a parody, so there are jokes about like Kylo Ren and Rey kissing and all this other stuff. Um so it was it a true cut? No, but was I fascinated to watch it? Yeah. And there were some elements of it I did like. I think when they released the artwork, the storyboard artwork for the Colin Trevorrow, or someone might have done the artwork. I don't know if it's from Disney or if someone drew it themselves. You know, mm-hmm. seeing the planet of Mortis and the tower and the fight, that gave me goosebumps. To see Ray with the double light, double-sided... Uh, a, <laughs> uh, a lightsaber. A lightsaber. A double-sided lightsaber. Whoo. Yeah, Ooh. you got there. Yeah, we got there. Oh boy, um, uh, it just it felt right. Like that was where we were aiming towards. I just don't. I don't. Disney won't do that. Disney will. Disney will not do that because at this point they're all in. They made Galaxy's Edge for Christ's sake, <laughs> which which kind of puts them in a hole. And I've talked with this with a couple of my friends, and and I've and I don't think we've talked about it enough is that galaxy's edge is the weird thing with that is it's stuck in this time loop, uh, in the sequel trilogy between episode eight and episode nine. And, or is it, no, maybe episode seven, episode eight, whatever. Um, it's so bizarre that, you know, now that we know that the sequels ultimately didn't reach their goal, as far as how rise of Skywalker ended for huge fan base, um, and that can be debated, but I think we can agree it wasn't what we were expecting or what we thought it could have been after episode seven. Uh, 
they they have to go all in. They can't retcon that. They're stuck with it. And that's a huge that's a huge that's just a mistake you got to live with, John. Well, yeah, but what do you think about the idea of potentially doing it to some degree or even if it was different actors as an animated movie i mean i i think that that would be an interesting way to do it for it it wouldn't even necessarily well i mean it would have to be disney but if if they wanted to do a small project for disney plus and they could do it over time if depending on how long this quarantine thing goes on and if maybe if there's even a big enough push for uh for trevor's script to be realized I mean, time time will tell, I guess, if there's going to be any demand for it. But do you think that that may be a viable solution? I I don't I don't think so because Disney hasn't dabbled with Legends or they haven't said like, hey, what we're putting out some a product they're putting out is non-canon. It's Legends. They haven't. They've only put out canon or they've canonized old Legends in with like some of their new products. I don't think we I don't think Disney would ever do that. I don't think we get an animated movie. But, you know, for the sake of conversation, John, which studio would you like what art style if you could think of a show, you know, what studio would you like to see make that Star Wars Colin Trevorrow film because I know my answer. And it's Avatar the Last Airbender. If you give me a style <laughs> like that but Star Wars, I think and and that's a Nickelodeon which is Viacom company uh you know that definitely interests me if i were to get my animated movie that way uh who what studio would you pick for this undertaking i mean avatar was definitely my first thought too oh okay um but i i think that you would need something a little i would i would enjoy something a little bit more stylized than avatar um i'm you mean like that the they have the star wars they have the star wars animations like on disney plus or it's on youtube where it's like little like 30 second a minute clips of uh of like the star wars story and they use the sound from the original movies but it's like this kids cartoon of like uh like anime not anime style but like it just looks it, it looks crisp it looks really well well done well, no, but but that actually reminds me. No, I would like to see it in the Clone Wars style, uh, the animated Clone Wars series. Oh, uh, I, yeah, I would have to disagree at that point. But see, like we we've talked about them potentially, or like the idea of doing something where it's like a Clone Wars, like where it's set between episodes eight and nine potentially, um, to give it, or yeah, between episodes eight and nine or or yeah, six and yeah, seven, yeah, yeah. something that gives that a little bit more depth and history. Um, but if if they were to to do it with that they wouldn't even have to get the same actors they could just get people that sounded like them and it's it's that familiar style it's i mean they're doing they're putting out the marvel what if series so they they have content that isn't going to be strictly canon necessarily um i, I don't know man like i i think that that style at least would lend itself to something that's already in the star wars universe yeah, I just I I wouldn't want to see it as its own movie because they did the movie thing and while you know that was a time people were like it's not that good and the show got much 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 better. Mm-hmm. I do I do associate I just I want to see something a little bit different. Um even though I know I like the Clone Wars and people talk about how Rebels is also good. Haven't seen Rebels yet. I know I should, but I mean, I'd like to see I'd like to see that side animation as one of the things that revives the sequels 
um, with that, you know, show that you and I have talked about, like, if that's the way they can bring that, that, uh, this trilogy, this sequel trilogy back into prominence is by making a, a television show, much like the Clone Wars or Rebels. Uh, and that would be kind of, uh, that's what I see it, it, it falling into, because if you're going to make a Colin Trevorrow movie, which I don't think will ever happen, Disney would never do something like that. Cause they shut down, they shut down fan projects all the time. Yeah. Uh, I, I would want to see it in a different animation style, to be honest. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair, so as far as like the Snyder cut and and all these other projects go what what do you think is this whole fa- what do you think is the push behind this fascination of of this unknown or like what if kind of idea of like this it's almost like the, like we've said like this romanticizing of what the fans i idealize the project to be even though there's no actual proof that it would be that, that way but but with so many projects changing i guess and for some for the better some for the worse there's there just always seems to be a push for something that isn't actually there i think it's because we as the audience are starting to have more power than we're used to it used (laughs) to be like oh look there's this movie oh fast and the furious was okay fast and the furious 2 it was all right fast and furious 3 was an acid dream oh fast and furious 4 let's go see it and that turns out to be the worst one out of the whole entire like series you know there was a time when we used to go see movies and you'd be like i didn't like it and then you left now since we're super connected we're all watching premieres we're watching what critics say we're going on rotten tomatoes we're going on imdb it is one of those things that the movie industry has not completely evolved but has become more uh what's the word has has become more receptive to the fans and -hmm. even the outcry that makes no sense so it's like oh james gunn bad tweets and disney's like you're right those tweets are terrible so a song of the south but nobody talks about that you know yeah (laughs) you know we have a ride at disney world or disneyland about splash mountain it's like you know you, you, the bear rabbit and the honey which is different from the movie yeah anyways we can go on for a long time about that but i think the this romanticization this romanticization that you talk about romanticizing about um what it could be is very new but it's been gaining momentum you know and we've been seeing you know maybe in the movie space it's kind of new but in the gaming space it's 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 the norm now you know if your game fails you you can either scrap it and go to the next one or the gaming industry will applaud you if you stick with the games you listen and you fix it and you know you could see that with games for people who game you know are like you know watch the gaming sphere play uh, more than casually you have hello games is no man's sky which was hyped up way beyond belief came out and was not well received and then two years later they come out with fantastic updates and the player base is strong and well you say the same thing about star wars battlefront 2 you know that started a whole microtransaction war you know governments were getting involved to see if video games is gambling which i think is funny it actually made national international news Jeez. Uh, yeah exactly it's one of those weird things where you think if it blows up into that sphere it is big news and the industry watched as ea 
and Lucasfilm look at this pro this product that's basically going to change an entire industry. And in some ways, it did for a lot of video games, and it did for a lot of uh, uh, publishers too of video games. I I just I I I think fans today i just i feel bad at the same time for the film industry because it's got to be a tough it's it's the profit margins are not the same and i think i think fans can sometimes be overly critical including myself i am not perfect uh i know nothing really about dc except for watching the batman series when i was a kid and i loved it so when i watch someone named Zack snyder make movies and people love it and i hate it you know that's my opinion you know well and that's the whole point of art and and people forget that movies are art and it's supposed to be subjective and there are people that won't be pleased by it but there are, are plenty of people that will be and it, it's not meant to be this like mat well it's supposed to be mass appeal but it's not supposed to be like this complete blanket appeal for every single type of person or demographic i mean there's a there's a reason why there are kids movies and adult movies is because there are film is designed for a specific audience but not everyone in that audience will appreciate it or or view it or experience it the same way yeah um star wars i feel like just because we've been talking about it for so long now is it it seems like it it spans it's multi-generational and it 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 impacts so many different types of people and i mean you have you have this group of people that um for the longest time uh basically like uh, associated themselves with this religion of jedi um or of the force and i remember reading a statistic that uh, i don't remember what year it was but it was it was a while ago that um the in this demographic that they were um basically like doing like a census type of thing for that they had said that the um that the force was like the fourth biggest religion that they that they found basically oh that's gotta be that's gotta be in the uk because i think it it is a real religion in the uk yeah which blows my mind that it affects these people like that and like george lucas had envisioned this or like the force to be this kind of religious um, entity to a degree and that he wanted people to see it not through the lens of a specific religion um, or faith necessarily but more just as, um, as something bigger than just religion like the structure of religion um, more like the idea of god himself and less like the christian god or the um, the muslim god uh, and what what about star wars for you specifically has made the biggest impact in your life oh gosh um we're gonna go big here yeah yeah it is a big question i mean it the george has done so much research into these things that we as people connect with like they talk about the hero's journey Mm -hmm. and that's why people love the original trilogy so much is that it's so relatable. You're rooting for Luke the whole way. You know, at first he's kind of naive. He's just like, you know, uh, you know, he wants to be with his friends. He wants to get out of Beggar's Canyon, blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. I think I know what I'm doing. She's a princess, blah. And then it comes to him at the end of the trilogy becoming super wise, trying to negotiate with a gangster job of the hut whoa, 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 and not losing his cool 
him just always being calm it, it's something that i think that we're envious to and it, for me the biggest takeaways from star wars what it's taught me is that um there is perspective you know in this good versus evil fight and this go this spans mostly you mostly see this in the prequel trilogy actually that there is perspective you know there are the they're the uh the bureaucrats as they call them which is you know we have that in this country in the united states and i, I think a lot of governments across the world have them uh bureaucrats that you know are kind of in it for themselves rather than their constituents or people you know there's a lot of relatable things and i think at the end of the uh, what i take away from star wars is that if you're going to do good things in this world you know uh you know, there is a perspective about it and there's nothing wrong, you know, when the Jedi or, you know, act so naive and ignorant and high and mighty in the beginning, you know, and they get blaséed by, you know, the dark Lord of the Sith. It's one of those things where it's like, you got to learn to be humble. You know, if you're going to do good things, be humble. Don't be self-righteous. And those are really great lessons to being an adult and turning from a young adult to an adult that that's like one of the what's one of the biggest transitions especially for us in our age even though you know john you're i'm in my i'm getting to my later 20s and you're you're heading towards the 30 mark john you know i mean that's we both are that's how time works that that's how (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's how time works it's one of those things just like you when we were younger did you watch or did we make mistakes that you know, now at this time, we look at it as like, wow, what an idiot decision, you know, where, you know, how self-righteous, how self-centered. And, you know, that's the growing up process where in this Star Wars gives you that perspective to be like, this is what you could be for your whole life if you don't learn to grow up. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with that. And like, uh, Every time I look at my timeline or my time hop on Facebook and I see the things that I posted even five, six, even two years ago to some in some cases, um, I, I think about the person that I was and I, I'm so thankful that I've grown in the ways that I have um, in that same way. Like you said, like it's you see that with Ray and her experience with the Jedi and, and her looking at at their experiences and their history and saying no you're you're not always right and the the dark side isn't always right but there's some there's some gray area in the middle that we just need to basically restart and say this is this is the right way to do things or this is at Mm -hmm. least closer to the right way and it and she it seemed at least from the movies that she saw it more as a goal that she was striving towards and it was much less concrete um, or she was much less concrete in her in her beliefs of right and wrong necessarily. Like it seemed like she had that perspective that she talked about of of taking every every instance and looking at the right and wrong and the the moral ambiguity of it all and making a decision based in that situation, not this overarching set of morals that sometimes alienate people and sometimes hurt people, like the Jedi did. Yeah, I think, well, that's the thing about Star Wars also, and I wonder, I want to get your opinion on this. It makes it very, like, it makes it, like, uh, scalable. 
and it, you're able to measure it you know mm -hmm. if that makes sense where it's like oh if you've got the light side in you you go towards the blue or green color if you're evil you've got the red color these are things that are easy to associate and in psychology our brain is gonna oh we're always judging you know how some people are like i'm not judgmental guess what you are yeah. you might not be as judgmental and you might you you might be able to have this thing called perspective but our brain naturally judges things you know the very hard topics in life you know whether it be race or income or religion we judge and it's a natural thing that our brain does the the thing that changes the thing that makes us different is how do we then upon judging a product how do we then upon like view it, you know, at what lens am I going to look at this thing? Am I, and am I going to think, is it okay or is it not okay? And with Star Wars, it makes it like it puts it in layman's terms for us. Like, hey, you're going to you're going to murder on a whole entire like lizard frog species in the swamps on the planet of Naboo. Yeah, you a bad guy, though. You a bad guy. You know, the Trade Federation. Oh, we're all about trade contact tracks. You could see that parallel in. It's so weird to say it, to compare trade, trade, trade problems with real world things. But it's what happens. You know, not necessarily you wiping out an entire species of humans, you know, not species of humans, but like not wiping out people because of a trade deficit. But people do die because of that stuff. You know what happens in the Middle East and third world countries where a power a power vacuum happens and all these people die because they're not able to get their resources out or another big player, another country like in the Western hemisphere or Eastern hemisphere is like, nah, man, we ain't going to play that way. It's, it's just funny how star Wars makes that easy to understand. Yeah. And I think that the, the movies themselves and the content are, are products of their time in that sense of, of morals especially and you think about the original trilogy and it it's starting 77 and 80 and 84 i believe was the last one um and and you think about what was going on in the world and and the, of the cold war at the time and the Communism, u.s yeah yeah u.s was in the right they were the jedi in, in america's eyes and russians were bad they were the the sith and you had this historical real like real world uh circumstance of right and wrong that it was almost mirroring that to a degree. And then when the prequels came out in the 90s, uh, things got a little bit more gray, but there was that understanding and perspective that you got from seeing Anakin grow up to the figure that he became. And then today, um, there's a little... I, I think there's a bit more gray um, in the world right now. And, and you definitely see that, especially with, with The Last Jedi and uh, the things that ryan johnson introduced and and so you you have the world basically impacting the way that uh these characters interact in star wars and it's not what i enjoy the most about it at least or one of the things i enjoy the most is that it it doesn't just stay consistent from from the beginning all the way through the end here of the skywalker saga like it, it changes and it evolves with its audience um so that these this historical um culture like the jedi that have existed for thousands of years change and they're supposed to grow and evolve and and kylo ren and ray both have these excellent points that 
maybe they're not the best thing. Maybe they don't always know what's right in the world. And so something might have to evolve and change. Um, so, yeah. so, so I want to pick your brain on that thought that you yeah. think that you're saying like, you know, maybe, maybe that's up to us to decide, you know, maybe that's not what I want, or maybe that's not what it is as far as the Jedi. I'm curious to what you think. Um, so I'm not, I'm you, not talking you, about like moral relativism or anything, but I'm just saying that there t- today, at least there seems to be a bit more understanding of, um, or people tend to ask more questions about why is this person acting like this or why is this culture like this? And they try and, and seek to understand a bit more than they did in the seventies and eighties. Hmm. Well, I still, I still want to ask Mike because that, that is a good point. You know, we ask more, que- I think, I think you're right. We ask more questions now than we did back then, but that's because we're so interconnected and there's a lot of bullshit. Um, reigning supreme there was bullshit back then too i gotta admit there was there was stuff that wasn't right there was propaganda back then but you know we didn't have the resources to say like oh yeah this is fake (laughs) yeah um the moon landing no i'm kidding (laughs) um but but going back to what you said about kylo ren and and uh ray having this kind of ambiguity at the same and in this time of our history do you think that the story of Star Wars, while you think it evolves in that way, do you think it's better for us as people to believe in a moral good and a moral bad? I think that it's good to ask questions and to evaluate what your morals are on a consistent basis. Because if you're like like what like with Ray what sorry. Wow, with what Ray saw with the Jedi and how they were actually negatively impacting the people around them in a lot of cases, and they were acting in their own self-interest, I think that sometimes you can do things for so long that rather than um, doing them for the benefit of anyone, it just becomes tradition, and you don't understand that tradition, so you don't understand your actions. Um, and granted, you and I come from fraternities, and it's the same thing with that. Any kind of long-standing historical society or <laughs> organization, when you do things for so long, it just becomes habit. And if you don't continue, continually evaluate why you're doing those things, then hmm. you don't do them for the right reasons eventually. You just do them because someone told you to. I just, well, yeah, you know, you bring up a good point with that. I just don't think that Ray's journey is about that i think anakin and especially ahsoka tano their journey really makes you question well why am i doing this why am i a soldier why can't we save those clones master why can't i go back or in episode three i'm gonna go back and help them and obi-wan's like nope nope they're doing their job so we can do ours and lives are lost uh i think for re- for me you know because that that is your opinion and i'm picking your brain about it for me Ray is the extreme version of of uh I have to do it because it's right. You know? <laughs> yeah. I I take I take the opposite view where I think she's not taking the moral ambiguity of what if and or it doesn't have to be this way. I think she's the the extreme of like, you know, I have to kill the emperor because he's bad. And it's weird because I don't have that feeling in episode four in a new hope the original star wars because i think they framed it so well to be like hey the empire is supposed to be like nazi germany 
and they bad, right? Everyone agreed they're bad. They're bad. Nazis are bad. I think everyone on Earth, I hope, I desperately hope everyone agrees with that, that Nazis are bad. I really do hope. <laughs> um, man, that would be a bummer if that, that message was not really um, driven home. Anyways, um, Nazis are bad, and Luke is going to defeat them. And that makes sense. But when it comes to episode... When it comes to episode eight and the question that what that uh, Kylo brings up is like, it doesn't have to be this way. There can be a gray. I thought that was super cool because we hadn't seen that before. And then, you know, Disney was like, no, 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 no. Ray, super good. Come on. Come on, bro. You think we're going to do that? No, we got little kids. We got to attract with this. Come on. You know, <laughs> they're not supposed to question what's good or bad. Come on. They just know. You just know. Ray just knows. Well, then that's that's me, what I take from it. Let me reframe my answer. Then I think that that is the case in Ryan Johnson's Star Wars, because and then you think about even in episode in episode seven where Finn is a stormtrooper, and he is he is a part of an organization that is supposed to be um, like the frontline troops for like this representative of the Nazis, like. That's what he's supposed to be. That's his history. But it, episode seven goes and shows this softer side and how. I'm gonna just say it, the story should have been about Finn. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but at least these characters that are introduced, I think, show a bit more gray area, a um, bit more of the Han Solo. Like you think about Luke and how he was this innocent, um, naive farm boy who just got thrust into this war. Um, with a lineage that he didn't fully understand or know about. And Leia was a princess. She was a representative of the rebels. She was always on the right, um, the right side of history at least, and uh, really pushed for that. And then Han was really the most gray figure of them all. Like he had that darker backstory, but was dragged into the rebel force or the rebel uh, alliance and became a hero in the end. Um, but even in, I, I think in this newer trilogy is when we start to see that every character almost has this moral ambiguity to them and they, they unite behind a common cause and come out victorious, obviously, in the end. But Finn was brainwashed as a kid. You you see why the, the rest of the Stormtroopers are in that same boat. And so you, you, you're supposed to see more empathy or associate more empathy with them. Um, Ray was a scavenger. She, she lived off of taking from whatever anyone else left behind she was no really, she was a no. survivor i'm not saying that she she attacked obviously anyone or like killed to survive but i'm saying that she was a survivor and that she she did what she had to do to get by on this desert planet listen get me the graphic get me the the novel get me the comic book that says oh you know when ray was 12 she killed another man for a piece <laughs> I mean, two that... quarter portions. That's what I want. You know, I just don't see it with Ray because even like BB-8 randomly comes out of the woodwork and she's like, uh, what does she say? No, she says it in, a, in another alien language. Blah, 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 quarpa. And she saves baby a, uh, BB-8. And, you know, that's her being she's being good at that point. And I'm she's not like, saying that. You, I, I just I see your perspective. I just I take I and I love what you said about Finn. I think Finn I think Finn's character from his introduction should have been where the audience says, Oh yeah, I'm like this guy. Yeah. 
I think that's the better story because don't because we've done bad things and we've realized, oh, shoot, I did bad. I got to I got to fix this. That is that is Finn's story. Yeah, exactly. He was there on the front lines when killing people like he was told to kill people, at least when when he makes that switch and it has that moment of self-realization and um, realizing that he what he's doing is wrong and then goes about that hero's journey of of redemption almost wait can um, you can you can you can you say that one more time the, the hero's journey of redemption wait just, just 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 that first part just the hero's journey uh yeah 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 there's when that, every uh, star wars fan hears that they get a little excited george lucas is smiling somewhere and he doesn't know why it's that meme of him laughing in the back <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but so we're sitting we're sitting here talking about who we relate to and, and, and Finn being the most relatable, but out of in any, the sequels. Yeah. So out of, out of all of the star Wars movies, who do you relate to the most? Oh gosh. And I'm going to tack on a little bit more here. Has that changed since when you were first introduced to star Wars? Ooh, I'm going to start it off with who I related to, who I, who I wanted to be the most. Well, you're saying, who do we think we are in the Star Wars universe, and how's that changed from when we were a little kid? Yes. Oh man, I'm probably like C-3PO in real life. <laughs> yeah, like right now, I'd probably be like, "Oh, how dare you!" Like if I go to a bar, it'd probably be something I'd be like, "Oh my." Um, no, maybe not. I, I think, I think for Star Wars as a character, I think from a, I think I could be like a. I, I'd be like one of the Jedi that dies in like the, the, in Geonosis, like randomly. I'd be the dinosaur guy who gets shot by Jango Fett as he's about to like assassinate Count Dooku. I'd be him. <laughs> I know that's a very joke answer because there's so many great characters, but I really can't, I really can't pinpoint what it is because I really, it's not about who do I most identify as, it's about who I want to be. You want to be the guy that dies insignificantly? No, no, I think that's what I am. But what I <laughs> okay. want to be, and it's the same thing as a kid, is like, you want to be Luke Skywalker. And I think it's changed because as an adult, you know, I love Luke, but I love Obi-Wan more as an adult. Mm-hmm. And because of what they did in Clone Wars, you know, the the amount that he has suffered. Like, there was a meme about it. It's like, hey, this man left his he was a rich he was born rich left his wealthy family to become a jedi fell in love with satine gave her up to become a jedi watched his master die you know watched the the kid he trained become the sith and kill all of his friends he has satine die in his hands you know his love of his life dies and then he has to go into isolation after killing after leaving for dead his the boy he trained you know, he has to go into isolation on a desert planet and train this psychopath killer's son to be the next, the, the next like grandmaster or the next Jedi to save us all from, from death. Imagine the pressure, John, <laughs> the pressure. If you screwed up Luke Skywalker, like you did Anakin, dude, Obi-Wan is the goat. I love, I love, I love Luke. Luke is, is my first character I wanted to be. But Obi-Wan takes it now because it makes sense. But John, who is that for you? What is it in your experience? I mean, I, I think when everyone's first introduced, 
you you're right i think you want to be that luke or leia or han or at least one of the one of the three main trilogy uh or one of the three oh john you hit it you know no i'm sorry to interrupt you i need to you know who i am in the real life i am i i am i i i I am r2d2 come on (laughs) snarky short you know, always, always say, talking shit to C-3PO. You know it. I'm R2-D2, bruh. Okay. Okay. I'll take I'll take the side roll. <laughs> I'm on the outside watching the action be like, ha That's fair. That's fair. I mean, okay. So, jokes aside and everything, I I probably would say, I think you're right. I think with the perspective of the, of the prequels, I would like to most identify with, with Obi-Wan yeah obi-wan and finn both um just because i i like that idea of someone who's been through this tremendous amount and who is trying their best to just learn from their mistakes and apply the right teachings to the future and basically to take someone under their wing and to try and basically uh, what is the word um um to to right their wrongs through someone else redemption oh um Wait, right their wrongs through someone so, else. Yeah, to, you to mean atone for their mistakes. A parent. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. A parent's out there. I'm so sorry. Well, no, no, no. But like, I, I love that that mentor-mentee relationship. And mm. I, I, any chance that I can, I would like to think at least that I want to invest in someone else and help help them either just like training on and like an everyday job that you have or just helping to invest in someone to make their life a little bit better so that they don't make the same mistakes that you did when you were younger or Mm. less experienced. And just that I I try and maintain that mentality every day that I can um, just to help someone not screw up like I did. And it doesn't have to be this deep emotional answer or anything, but I mean, it can be. And I think that's a probably one of the most healthy mentalities to have is just help the next generation right the wrongs that you either made or know about and, to do the things that you weren't able to do. Hmm. I think, I think you hit it on the nose to train the next generation. And with that question, I I have, I, I want to ask you this. Do you think, do you think that Lucasfilm delivered on that for this generation? Do you, do I think that they, like the Disney Lucasfilm, do you think they stayed true to training the next generation? As far as um, continuing what George Lucas wanted to do? No, to to explain growth. Okay, um, I think that they, I think that they tried to. Um, I think that Lucasfilm and with under Disney nowadays had a problem with. Like, I think that the original trilogy did a much better job of handling real world issues in a, in a much more real way, um, even if it was through the guise of this fantasy world. And I think that the the sequel trilogy was a bit too playful and campy to a degree where like yes. they didn't it didn't seem as raw and as real as the original trilogy. Yes. Um. And I think that they were still good films in their own right. Um, but I think that 
Lucas in his original vision before he started tinkering with every little aspect of the universe, I think that he did a better job um, of handling things in a, in a raw and emotional way. Because when you, you think about like the hero, the, the central hero of this trilogy getting to the second movie of, of this trilogy and realizing at the very end of it that this person that he's been fighting against this entire time is actually his father and that kind of reveal hadn't been done in film really up until up until that point and to leave it as a cliffhanger to a, a trilogy that up until that time as well like they hadn't done film franchises in that same way um to, to, to have the confidence to say that this is going to come back and, and we're going to do this again um i i think that that was unheard of and to 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 handle it and have that i mean when you when you go back and look at mark hamill's performance in that um i don't i don't see like campy 80s acting i see like a raw emotional response to something horrific that um completely changed his worldview and his perspective and relationship with his father and I bet you, you know, not saying that that's any one of us, but like that imagine a bunch of little kids growing up, whether it be a little girl, a little boy, you know, and they're like, oh, my gosh, one of his parents is a monster. And you might at that point think that, oh, your parent is also a monster. And in some ways it's overblown. But in some cases, there are a lot of kids who are put in troubling positions. And at the end of it, we don't see like the the whininess of a of a of a young luke skywalker we see the poise of a man or not even a man but an adult fully formed and knowing that like you know he is wiser you know maybe he can save his father from the dark side and and taking it from a point of not vengeance but redemption and it's just so it's it's just the better path it's the relatable but better path and there are there are people in this world who will look at Luke Skywalker and be like, yo, he's strong, but I'm not that strong. I can't do that. And you you envy this character. Because, John, if it was you or I in Luke Skywalker's position, you know, with no hindsight or whatever, would we be strong enough to make that choice? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that I would have been. And I think you're right. I think that's something to strive towards and to want to, to get to and, and want to relate to um but it yeah it's that was just such a large moment of growth for that character and then like you said like i mean to yeah to come back to not not to hold that against vader but to to want to seek redemption and to see the hope in the situation and to want to go back in and knowing who this person was behind the mask to pull him out of the darkness to to try and do what he could to save him knowing that this is the man who's responsible for so much death and destruction and to just in in a moment know that there is a human there's a there's a person behind there that could be saved i think is i think that was an enormous moment in in film history good good (laughs) so so do do you think that just talking about the original trilogy and, and talking about the whole beginning of this franchise, do you think that um, this franchise, the Star Wars franchise, has evolved in a positive way or at all? Or do you think that it's 
kind of stayed true to its roots. And I know we, we kind of answered that to a degree, but you you know what I'm gonna say. <laughs> Not it. I don't think the, the answer the is no. Yeah, and I it 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 adds perspective because as a young kid, I didn't like. You know, you watch the prequels now and you're like, man, it's not the same when I was a kid. But you see George Lucas trying, you know, he when he says when he says these movies are for kids and for, you know, adults to get mad at him. He's right. These movies are for kids. But when he makes these movies for kids, it's to give them a sense of awe and wonder and it's supposed to teach them a lesson and as an as a young kid who watched star wars the original trilogy and also a kid who watched the prequels and growing up with them as an adult now watching the sequels um and i still watch the movies every year i still go through them there are parts that make me feel like a kid again i feel that those butterflies in my stomach i'm like oh my gosh this is so cool or i see the lightsabers and i just imagine my head having a lightsaber a double-sided lightsaber and (laughs) flinging it around uh and i don't get that with the sequel trilogy and i and it's because disney is a money-making corporation and I wish they had someone like they like they do with Pixar, where they when Pixar puts out a movie, it makes you cry, it makes your kids cry, and at the end of the cry fest, you feel great, you feel better about yourself, even even as an adult. Why didn't we get that with Star Wars? <laughs> How do you have Pixar, and you have Star Wars, and you can't move that over? It's because of the people who are in charge didn't understand george's vision and what he wanted to teach and i think now a lot of us looking back seeing what disney made we're like oh my gosh george what you made is really really good and dave filoni made a star wars product that is also two star wars products that is also very very good and about kids and even us as young adults fighting our demons to make the harder choice you know, taking the path that is harder because it's the right choice. And I just, uh, Disney just isn't there, John. It just, and maybe with people like John Favreau who care, like, 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 uh, uh, Kevin Feige, who cares? Yeah. No, I, we I, might get there. I definitely agree that it's gone very corporate and very regimented in how they want to um, like market and uh, and like this mass appeal that they're trying to go for rather than like a, a storyteller trying to tell this real and raw authentic story um, through this fantasy world that he created. And it, it seems like at the end of the Skywalker saga, the pendulum was on one end and with, like you said, like the Clone Wars and with the Mandalorian, we're starting to see the pendulum shift back the opposite direction into the hands of these um into these types of creatives and i hope i man i really hope that's the direction it keeps going in because star wars seems to be one of these things that is it can go on for so long and outlive all of its creators and still be something that people of every generation can connect with and even like the effects of the original trilogy still hold up in a lot of ways and were revolutionary. And it 
almost every aspect about these movies and the story that they were trying to tell is just i mean i i I hate to use like a such a strong word but it seems like it's eternal and like that it's always going to be relevant to some degree to someone and that you can keep telling stories in this universe that will continue to resound in in people's hearts and minds and i i hope that we're going to keep seeing the swing back into the creative direction where they don't just plug an algorithm algorithm into a machine and pop out the most um, appealing to the masses type of product they can get like it seemed like episode seven and nine were um i i genuinely hope that they kind of reset everything and go back to the the basics um in this new direction i think that they're going towards i don't know man um where do you where do you see it going i mean where do i see where where do i see it going you know i hope that with the trust of the creators of these producers that they've signed on i think that i hope they saw the error of their ways and like you know what we really do need to care we can't just fling this together baby oh no because you know who buys your products not kids adults that's right i said it i have several lightsabers in my room they glow they got high quality plastic that will break and I have high steel, like aluminum quality steel pommels that'll break through stuff. Like adults buy this product because it's a tale that's timeless and adults will get their kids into it. If I have a kid, you know, when that happens, I would like to show them the original trilogy. Then I'll show them the prequels. Then I'll show them the Clone Wars. <laughs> I will show them Rogue One. I might watch Rebels with them at the same time. I'm less inclined to show them the sequels. And that makes my heart hurt. Yeah. There's nothing to learn from the sequels. And in my... Like, Finn's story is the best. And even that, we gloss over. Where it's like, Ray, I never told you! Blah, blah, goes into the sand the quick... Or it's just... It, do, it just doesn't feel genuine. You know how when all of Poe's friends die, what, what was his name? The Skip or whatever? Or whatever his name is, the, the pilot who we yeah. watch dies. And they're like, what do we do, Poe? And he's like, my friends, it's all, I was wrong. And then Lando comes in with a giant fleet. Happy music starts playing. And then he's like, sorry, you made it. Like the, the she's like, welcome. Or how's it going, Spice Runner? Or the stupid line she says. And he, he looks so happy, even though a bunch of his friends just died. There's no determination, no war face. Come on. Come on. <laughs> disrespect i i i'll i'll rewrite star wars for you right now just give me a few days <laughs> just a few days to to rewrite an entire trilogy you know <laughs> it's a big undertaking and i'm totally being sarcastic the screenwriters have a very very tough job i'm just saying these screenwriters weren't in it i'm just i'm just or maybe they were in it maybe Disney said, hey, you got to make sure that there's a love interest for Poe. And then she wears a mask the whole time. I don't know. That dude, uh, like, what do you think? Do you think it's going to it's gonna make a turnaround? I mean, I, I think that they're going to create the content that fans want to see. And if fans react more positively, continuously to series like The Mandalorian and like The Clone Wars, 
I think that that's the type of content they're going to put out. And if they put out something else like episode nine or like the sequel trilogy and fans continue to react negatively, I think eventually they're going to get the hint, but it'll probably just take time because the wheels of the studio move in, in very, let me, let me rephrase the ship moves very slowly and turns very, very slowly. That that's a, that's a good, that's a good callback to our original conversation about the snyder cut that you know if if star wars does turn the corner now and let's say kathleen kennedy because that's who we criticize a lot let's say kathleen kennedy stays on the ship and the ship sails in a good direction maybe this culture of movie studios game developers television shows listening to the audience is going to make better quality stuff i mean it it sounds simple and it is that studios create content based on demand and if there is a demand for shallow garbage then they're going to put out a puddle and if there is demand for this deep emotionally filled content like what i think the original trilogy sought out to be then that's what they're going to put their money into and it takes time to to develop a, a, any kind of feature-length movie like this, so it's not going to ever happen overnight. But I I think it's completely in the fans' hands. And if we pay money to go see trash, then that's what they see. They see the dollars. They don't see the emotional response in the theater. Um, and it again, it it's just going to take time. And I hope that we see it within like the next i hope 10 years that it it starts genuinely moving in a new direction but you never know and there will in some way or another there will always be good star wars content coming out i believe whether it be the main series of movies or whether it be the side projects the like the cartoons and like the disney plus shows that are coming out now um i think there's always it's such a large universe that as long as someone that's passionate is making the project, I think that there is potential to always be some kind of good Star Wars content. Mm. Do you like Vin Diesel? Do you want to get into a car and slingshot? Hi, we're with Universal, and welcome to Universal Studios, where you're able to slingshot alongside Vin Diesel in a car off the side of a mountain. (laughs) When you were talking about trash movies, that's the only thing I thought about was the Fast and Furious when they somehow slingshot across a, uh, a mountain. When I first watched that trail, I was like, oh, yeah, baby. And then after it ended, I was like, oh, my God, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they know who they're making movies for. That's all I can say. It's a trash movie that knows it's trash. Yeah. It's like Entourage. Ooh. It's like Seinfeld. I mean... Seinfeld knows what it is. It does, but I wouldn't say it's trash. You're right. You know, actually, you know, it is a good point. Entourage is trash. Seinfeld is gold. (laughs) I mean, it's... It's self-aware. Man, can can Larry David just... I wish Larry Larry David made movies like, like Mel Brooks did. You know? I mean... There is, there is. Can you imagine Larry David's version of Star Wars? Oh my God! You mean Spaceballs? 
Well, Mel Brooks did Spaceballs, well, which at the time is is appropriate. But can you imagine, like, like the scene where Jabba is like trying to lick, like a uh, Leia, and Leia just snaps back, like, oh, oh, gross, ugh. Like she goes, she makes a disgust. But like, imagine if she went over the top with it, like a Larry David, like this is disgusting. Like, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? You know, you gotta, what are you gonna clean yourself up? Look at you, you just stay, you just sit here the whole time. It's just unsanitary. I want to see him go off. Like, show me that Star Wars. I mean, or, or show me that version. Other movies like the like Battleship or something like that with Liam Neeson. Give me that one. That what you're describing. Let's sail away. Why are we fighting him? Let's call in a nuke. What are we doing? <laughs> I think what you're describing with Star Wars, like the Larry David version of Star Wars, is what Family Guy did. Oh gosh, those are so good. That's a very Seth MacFarlane. But like a uh, serious movies, like give me the 1917 version, like when the when the the bomb explodes and he pulls his friend out, I imagine Larry David would would give the line to the actor. No, just leave me back in here. I'm done. No, 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 no. <laughs> let's, let's just let me die. Just you know, just go on without me. It'll be fine. That, You'll be fine. That's so. That's so good. <laughs> I want to I want to see those parodies. Larry David should have done movies. You know, I because I don't watch TV anymore. God, and I don't watch H. I don't watch uh. What's that? What's that show he does that is loved oh, on uh, hbo yeah um oh my god wow why can't i think of the name I'm... i can't it's why <laughs> I, I i was like entourage and i was like wait a minute what what did and it made me go to like larry david and oh, what he does curb curb your enthusiasm curb your enthusiasm like gosh we yeah. we we have the wrong we have we have talent in this world we do and we don't and and we and we we don't we don't praise them enough and we don't give them the mega 100 or the nine figure deal that they deserve like some people in the industry so speaking of what we wish we could be watching or what was out there what are you watching well Actually, I haven't been watching a lot. I've been playing Skyrim. Uh, I don't know if I said that last time. I've been playing Skyrim on my uh, computer. But actually, today I began writing. So uh, I haven't written in a long time. So I kind of dusted the cobwebs off. And I'm really enjoying it. There's a lot of me going back and forth between you know, listening to music that fits a scene in my head. Or I'll think of a, a scene like uh, that just vibes really well and uh today i was writing a scene like if it were to me a movie let's just just like a script but it's like a story where someone drives in the foothills of north carolina and they're in last place and they have the better car and i and they make it to first place and they win the race but i watched like three different scenes today of tokyo drift I watched their the racings from Tokyo Drift. I watched Dukes of Hazard, and then I watched um, Ford versus Ferrari, and then I I, I imagined the scenery of it being uh, of it being North Carolina, and I listened to Molly Hatchett's uh, "Flirting with Disasters," and I wrote it, and I was really excited about what I wrote. Nice. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just creative juices, man. 
You're getting back into it, man. That's how you do it. You just got to get up and literally just do it. Yeah, I got to write trash. <laughs> I mean, everybody starts somewhere. That's right. I hope you're all ready for my trash, as they say on Sesame Street. <laughs> Anyways, John, what are you What are you watching? I mean, hypothetically. Hypothetically. Uh, well, realistically, at least. I uh, Jerry Seinfeld put out a new special on Netflix. So I watched that not too long ago um Patton oswald put out another special so i saw that but then there's like a second episode or like second part of the series where it's another comedian and that is his style was just not my kind of comedy and uh just pretty consistently still watching uh the chef show with john you ever just fall you ever just fall butt first into a double-sided lightsaber no i'm just kidding (laughs) i mean this style of comedy basically yeah i don't know just a lot of stand-up uh a lot of the chef show which just this oh man i just love john favreau's interaction with everybody on that and um just cooking shows in general just are really soothing for me and watching something get made by people that love doing it just really really relaxing and puts my heart at ease but yeah man so that's what i've been up to uh hope you guys are all watching or doing something good out there and thanks for listening to the Sum It Up podcast. We will be back next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.